Welcome to His Story, a teaching series with Pastor Mickey Bryce from Center Stage Church. This nine-part series explores the story of God from a theater perspective. Now, here's Mickey Bryce. Good morning, everybody. Take your Bible, if you have one, today and open it to page one. Page one. I encourage you to uh, have a Bible. Today, we began a series of podcasts. So those of you that are in the live audience understand that there will be people listening by podcast to these uh, words as well throughout the next weeks. We had over 50 people uh, indicate an interest outside of the church that will listen to these. So uh, realize that if I talk to you, it may not just be you. It may be somebody way out there. If you are listening on the podcast at this time, I would encourage you as well to uh, grab a Bible in your home or office or wherever you are. And if you don't have one, I would be more than happy to uh, mail you one. If you'll simply write to me at info at centerstagechurch.org, and I will send you one free of charge. These talks, if you will, or messages are going to be sprinkled with uh, references to the theater in honor of uh, all of those of you uh, inside here and uh, by podcast that are involved with Sale Theater. I think that will help heighten the meaning of some of the things that we talk about. And if nothing else, it'll be my attempt to be funny. So as Maria says in The Sound of Music, Becca, let's start at the very beginning. So open your Bible, if you would, to the beginning. Or as I learned as a kid, they said, uh, did you know baseball was in the Bible? I said, no. And they said, you know, it says in the beginning. (laughs) So before we do that, the messages are called history or his story. I'm going to give you a little history before we start. For those of you that are just listening, I'm holding a scrapbook of memories from uh, the things that we've begun to go through uh, that were my mom's. By the way, thank you, all of you, again, for your prayers for the Bryces during this time. So this is a picture of Mickey less than six months old. Okay, you see that? It's a beautiful picture if you're listening only. And it's, it's, it's uh, me with a teddy bear standing by a big toy box. And the caption, this is printed in the newspaper in 1956. Teddy won't go to sleep, Mommy, says young Mickey Bryce, son of the Truman Bryces, as he tries to bed down his charge for the night. Mickey is wearing night-night sleepers with these popular plastic soles. P.S. They wash beautifully and stay soft as down. You didn't know I was a salesman in my young life. All right. Well, so much for that. Yeah, that's history. Boy, I believe it. All right. So uh, take your Bible and turn to Genesis chapter one. Let us begin. Uh, How many of you are familiar with the term SMS? You know what that is? Did you know that SMS has taken over the world? SMS is short for preferred method of communication that has swept our world since the year 2000, 2002-ish. 
SMS is short for short message service, commonly known as text messages. We have become experts at the short message, packed, uh, pecked out with our thumbs at alarming speeds, and not the car, but the speed of your thumbs, while doing something else. With a maximum of 160 characters, a text message is designed to say a simple thought quickly. Here's some of my favorites. LOL. Laugh out loud. I-Y-K-W-I-M, if you know what I mean. And my favorite, Y-F-G-L, it's the one you never want to get, which means you're fired, get lost. <laughs> Has anybody here ever been fired by text message? It happens, believe it or not. Even jokes come across this uh, in text messages. I came across this one. Now, those of you that are listening understand we're looking at the words, but I'm going to read it to you. It says, here's the message. This dog is dog, a dog, good dog, way dog, two dog, keep dog, and dog, idiot dog, busy dog, four dog, 20 dog, seconds dog. That's right. So now read it without the word dog. It says, this is a good way to keep an idiot busy for 20 seconds. That's the quality of most text messages. So, but we live in a world of instant messages. We want to know how to talk to somebody very quickly. We've heard text messages, we've recorded them, and all of that happens in our life. It's really indicative of the speed at which communication exists, but rarely do we pause to think more deeply than 160 characters. And that's what I'm going to ask you to do, whether you're here today with us or whether you're uh, listening by the podcast, is to think about what we're talking about more than just LOL, okay? When it comes to the Bible, because we're going to be talking about the Bible specifically, most of us know something about the people in the Bible, somewhat of the message of the Bible. We've heard bits and pieces, but never read through the book exactly. We might start, but we bog down somewhere around Leviticus when it's uh, like can't hold our attention, so we think. It's sort of like a 3,000-piece puzzle, just too hard to finish. And so I want to ask you to consider a couple of things about the Bible. You know that it is composed of 66 books written over a span of 1,350 years, for the most part in two languages, Hebrew and Greek. It was written by men who encountered God and were inspired by him to record history or his story. You can read it either way you want. And his story is really one of revelation. It is God telling us who God is and what God did in the affairs of men. One of the things I love about theater is that every show unfolds in a different fashion. But for the most part, there's some rules in good storytelling. You have at the beginning what's called the what? The exposition. The explanation, if you will, of who the characters are and what the themes might be. And sometimes that happens right off the bat. 
Other times, it's what we call low disclosure, like Brightstar. You're watching, you see people, what's going on back and forth between time, and you're not quite sure until later it hits you. Oh my gosh, this is what this is about. That's called slow discovery or you know, low disclosure. Over the next couple of months in this series, I wanna ask you to look at the Bible a different way than a jigsaw puzzle. I wanna ask that you look at the Bible as a single story, as a novel. Now it is not just a novel, but look at it as a novel, a story of God and us. We are the characters. God is the lead and we are the ensemble, people human beings throughout history. I want us to see the Bible as a single story, God's story. Now I did a little research on the word history and it is true that it comes from ancient times, Greek and Latin, but I couldn't find any direct evidence that the his part referred to like we think of it in English. So when I say his story, that's an invention I'm making or an application that I believe the Bible is his story, God's story. That's the way I want you to, to consider thinking about it if you don't think about it already. To see the Bible as a whole, it might help to avoid the 160 character maximum to increase our attention span, see the message of God, not as a text message, but as a life message. In other words, you're reading this history your whole life, and then you join it as a, one of many in a throng of people who have read and experienced God's story. His story begins, and by the way, the messages are kind of a survey throughout scripture. So we're gonna be going sequentially, hitting major points through the Old Testament first and then through the New Testament. His story begins with three words, in the beginning. The book of Genesis tells us what happened first. One other book in the New Testament, John, begins with those same words, in the beginning. John says, in the beginning was the word. Genesis, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I want to talk about that word, word, in the Greek and also in the Hebrew. The word for word is translated in the Hebrew, purpose. And in Greek, the word is logos and means explanation. So think about that. Purpose and explanation occurred at the beginning. At the beginning was the word. The word was the explanation and the purpose, the very beginning of recorded history of time, that's what we have. So, wow, isn't that nice to know what happened and why it happened? Both of these meanings are meant to describe what occurred at the beginning. Debar in the Hebrew, logos in the Greek, purpose and explanation. We learn the purpose of God and the explanation of God. And it is a true exposition theatrically. They're telling us who's in the show and what it's about. We're going to learn over the next uh, nine weeks 
that in his story, in his story, that Jesus Christ is referred to as the word. Logos says, at least I know a little bit more about it in Greek, it was a very common concept of the best way I can describe it in English would be that it was the big idea. So the philosophers talked about what is the big idea in philosophy or whatever. And by the time of the New Testament, John uses that same term to describe the big idea, the explanation of everything is Jesus. Not just God, Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh. Both purpose and explanation essentially can be found in that word logos. This is the story of God that we will read together. We are going to learn about Jesus. We're also going to learn about the written word. Many times when we say the word of God, we're not thinking about Jesus, the God-man. We're thinking of the Bible. And that's okay. We do refer to the Bible as the word of God. But more technically, it should be referred to as the written word of God. It is the revelation of God in print, if you will. The Holy Spirit inspired. The word is the story of God that we read as well as Jesus Christ, the word of God that we worship. History is the explained purpose of God. I love that. We live in a world that it fights over what is the explained purpose of God. And I know that there are many, many people around us that may not agree with this. I hope that you'll listen to these podcasts and share them, even if you're here live today, because I believe that the revelation of God, this explained purpose of God, is self-evident. And we're going to see how in just a few minutes. His story is the explained purpose of God found in Jesus, Old Testament and New, found in Jesus and recorded in the words of the book called the Bible. So here it is. In the beginning, God made his story real by creating. The image of God, I believe, is wrapped up in that whole concept of creation, not just the creation of the heavens and the earth, but God's creative ability. It is why it is so important for human beings to be creative. And I'll talk about that in a minute. Here's the word of God, Genesis 1-1 in the EIV translation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. He called the light day and the darkness night. There was evening and there was morning the first day. My mind is already blown. How does God take light and put it over here and take darkness and put it over here? And then we have night and day. There's so much scientific truth about that. One day we'll talk about all of that. And God said, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. And so it was. And God called the expanse sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. Verse 9, and God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place. 
and let dry ground appear. Amazing. And it was so. God called the dry ground land, gathered the waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. And it is good. Hallelujah. It is good. All of this came from nothing. That's the essence of creation, is that it comes from nothing. It comes from the explained purpose of a holy God who did it by saying it. Talk about that in a minute. Let's talk about creativity. Most of you know that my wife, Ellen, is a freelance composer. She writes music of all the skills of music. Composition is the most mysterious to me. I'm not very good at it, but she is. My son, Michael, is the same way. She sits down at the piano and something is created out of nothing. She calls it doodling. It's beautiful. Her doodles are better than my symphonies. An entire song is crafted out of a doodle. And that's how it works. Just think, this is a small picture of what God did in creation. He created something out of nothing. It wasn't, and now it is. It never was, and it is. It's incredible. It began not with a blueprint. It began in the mind of God, and it was seen in his explained purpose. Here it is. It is the first act of history. All from nothing. Yet, read these verses again and notice, if you will, all of the verbs. Now, if you're listening, you may not have a Bible, but I'm going to list all of the verbs, just the verbs in the verses that I read previously. Listen to them. Created, let, saw, made, separated, set, called, gathered. God is so diverse in his actions. He did all of that because he thought it first. And that is the beginning of history. God is the author of creativity. That's why being creative is so fulfilling to the human spirit because it's in the essence of creativity that we reflect the beautiful glory of God because that is his essence. It is why built inside of us, we have more than just instinct. An instinct causes a honeybee to uh, make honey. What's that thing called? The, yeah, the honeycomb. But what's past that for the human being is creativity. Creativity is something more than just programmed behavior, which is instinct built in. God did that too. But God gave human beings creativity so that we can think of something like God did where nothing was before. It's incredible. And I encourage you, wherever you are, whatever you do, find a creative outlet because you will find in that a beauty that is matched in no other experience in life. God made thousands of varieties and objects of matter, plants, animal, birds, and fish. Even a passing glance at an encyclopedia of creation will show you this creativity and show you just a few things. Now, Eugene said, oh, they got a picture of you. <laughs> Thanks, Eugene. For those of you that are listening, I'm not sure. Is that a cat? I'm not sure what that is. 
cute little animal. There's a picture here of some of God's creativity. You look around at small and large, and it's beautiful. Beautiful. God is so very creative. Just look around the world. Unusual, gorgeous color combinations. I love our creation. I love being out in it. We love good weather here in Arizona for sure, but most of us still kind of head to the mall most of the time instead of to uh, the mountains or the lake. I encourage you to hike and get out there. It is gorgeous. Let me say something else, that there can be no greater reason for what I call creation care than believers understanding that God created the heavens and the earth. And by that, he gave it to man and woman to take care of. And that's why we should take care of it. Because God gave it as a gift to us. And yes, there are things that we will use up and can't ever have again. There are other things that get rejuvenated. But in general, I am a firm believer in taking care of our creation. Because God made it, and he gave it to me. And which of us don't want to take care of the things that are gifts to us? We do. And that can go wherever you want it to go, folks. When God declared that all of this was good, it is also implied, I believe, that there is bad. So let's talk about that for a minute. As we look into the unfolding of his story, we're not going to just see creation that's good. We're going to see some things that are bad. As we look at all of this, we're going to understand that embedded in the universe is evil and good, right and wrong. And this is why I believe the Bible teaches that there is a right and there is a wrong. It's up to us to read and understand and sometimes debate what right and wrong exactly means. But in general, we should never make the mistake that it's my truth and your truth. That's a terrible mistake to make because that enshrines selfishness, basically. Let's talk about that good and that bad as we move through this. We're seeing something else here in creation. We see order. There is an orderliness to it. And I don't mean things in a particular order. I just mean organizational thinking. God brought order out of chaos. He ordered the planets. He ordered the stars. He ordered the oceans and the animals. Think about that. What are we talking about here? We're talking about all of creation. God spoke it into existence and then set it up. Talk about a programmer. Wow. Just the planets. How do you decide how big each one is and how they perfectly uh, line up? How many stars there are? And scripture tells us later that God gave each one of them a name. He knows them. It's unbelievable. If you properly get yourself into understanding this business of creation and God being in charge of it, it will blow your mind. God ordered then the first family of a man and a woman and set in motion the proper relationship which sustains life. 
All of this was designed to bring glory to him and to reflect the image of God, which is holiness and beauty. All of this is how history begins. History lets us know who God is. You can find great debates on who God is. And let me propose to you what the Bible teaches that God is. The first chapter in God's story is one in which we are introduced to God himself. In the beginning, God. We are able to see over the chapters who he is. We're able to see what he's like. Exposition or hook. And when a show doesn't tell you much about what's happening, well, we call that low disclosure. But this one's unfolding rather quickly, this story of God. In the beginning, God is the main character. He is shown to be first powerful, powerful, infinitely powerful, I might add. We see God's power by his word, all things are created. God didn't go down and, and go, oh, boom. God never had to try to do anything, ever. Again, it blows our mind. We cannot fully comprehend the perfection and glory and beauty and majesty and power of God. God thought it and it occurred. The explained purpose of God. We see that power. Boom. Whatever creation theory that you believe in, whether it's evolved or whether it's all immediate, it's still God. And he can choose to do it however he wants and we weren't involved. He didn't ask me how to do it. I wish I could produce a musical by the word of my mouth. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's usually by the sweat of my brow. I can articulate some things to a cast and that helps. Usually it's uh, half of it is right and the other half we spend the third uh, half fixing. I wish I could just say, bright star, boo! Again, get your brain around, that's what God did in creation. He just said this and it happened. That's just incredible to me. I will never get over it as long as I live. I can't even comprehend it, but it's fun to try. Jesus himself said to his disciples, the kingdom of God has come in power. In other words, it's strong. It is going to help and it is going to change and it is going to be strong. Kingdom of God has come in power. If you're not a Christian and you're listening to this or listening by the podcast, I would encourage you to consider that the kingdom of God has come in power in your world. Consider the claims of Jesus in a way that maybe you haven't before. And if you don't know how to do that, that's okay. Keep listening. We're going to keep talking about it. By God's word, all things were created. The second thing, not only is it power, we're going to see God to be a God of love. History shows us from the beginning that God is loving. He gave good things to his children. He sustains them. He cares for them. We're going to see in his story that he dries tears. He raises hopes. He leads. He guides. 
everyone who is a parent, and by parent I mean in the big sense that you've guided some younger person, understands these characteristics. That's why we refer to God as our Heavenly Father. He is our Lord, yes, and He is God for sure, but He is also our Heavenly Father, and He's watching and caring and guiding and directing and shepherding like we talked about last week. We will see in his story the greatest expression of love ever in the history of man. And that is the giving of his own son, his own self, perfection in every way, to die in a world that he created in order to redeem you and me. That's my mind blowing if you're listening. God is powerful in history. He is loving. He is personal. In the Bible, we see a God who isn't detached. He's not a theory. He's not a proposition. He's not a world of thought. He is a person. In fact, he is God in three persons. He is personal because he is a person. He can be talked to. We call this prayer. He can be reasoned with. He can engage you with an idea. He can become angry. He can be grieved. Above all, this God knows us. He knows our frame, the Old Testament says. And he can be known through Jesus Christ. In the beginning, God's story is ultimately a story of redemption. Number one theme, redemption. No matter how much God revealed himself, made creation, all of this is displayed, not just in order that you think good things about God. The Bible says Satan himself believes God is who he says he is and trembles. It is in order that you turn yourself to him. No matter how this story is explained eloquently, no matter how eloquently he has spoken in his creation as you look around, no matter how many needs he meets of yours or how many good things he gets, you can still choose to go your own way. And this is what we want to talk about just a little bit about sin because the bad part is part of the story too. Each of us can say no to God. We can choose to deny him. We can choose to disobey. And that happens two ways. You can say no to him forever and have nothing to do with him. Even if you have turned to him and become a Christian, you can forget that and temporarily stray away from him and lose that fellowship that is central to hearing his voice of the Holy Spirit. We can choose to disobey. We can deny that he exists, and some do. A man went to a barber shop to have his hair cut and his beard trimmed. By the way, one of the things I'm learning about my granddad that I never knew was he was a barber. That's not him. But he's in that book I just showed you. 
A man went to a barber shop to have his hair cut and his beard trimmed. As the barber began to work, they began to have a good conversation. They talked about so many things, various subjects. When they eventually touched on the subject of God, the barber said, I don't believe God exists. Why do you say that? Asked the customer. Well, you just have to go out on the street and see that God doesn't exist. Tell me, if God exists, why are there sick people? If God exists, why are there abandoned children? If God exists, there would be neither of these, nor suffering, nor any pain. I can't imagine a loving God who would allow all of these things. Customer thought for a moment, but he didn't respond. He didn't want to start an argument because he and the barber were good friends. The barber finished his job and the customer paid, left the shop. Just after he left the barber shop, he saw a man in the street with long, greasy, dirty hair and an untrimmed beard. Customer thought to himself, turned right around, went back into the barber shop, said, you know what, to the barber? I don't believe that barbers exist. <laughs> How can you say that, said the surprised barber. I'm here and I'm a barber and I just worked on you. No, the customer said, because barbers don't exist. Following your logic, if barbers existed, there would be no people with long, greasy hair on the street. It's not a joke. I mean, it's a little bit humorous, but long and greasy and dirty hair. That's the point. God does exist. The reason why there is so much pain and suffering is not that he doesn't exist. It's because people don't come to him like they come to the barber to get their hair cut. Nor do they look for him. So this denial of God, in no way am I casting any sort of personal feelings toward people. I know a lot of people who uh, don't want anything to do with God, and I still like them. Love them, in fact. Uh, we have a lot of fun together in some cases. But I think I would have to say, ultimately, that the denial of God or going our own way is what the Bible calls sin. I don't want to do your thing, God. I want to do my thing. I don't want to have anything to do with organized religion and so on and so forth. We all have the freedom to say that. It is not a good thing to not recognize that sin is real. You can look at the world around you, look in your own life. That sin, according to the Bible, we will see in this story has a fatal result. Call it what you will. I'm going to call it what I will. Turn off the podcast if you've had enough. But that's what I believe the Bible teaches. The book of Romans tells us that the wages of sin is death. Human beings die. I just held the hand of a lady who died one week ago. Happened to be my mom. She died. And when we went over to the center to see her, she wasn't there. She wasn't there. We held the hand of the remains, not my mom. And it was precious. We had those moments that children have when they lay their parents down, if they get a chance to be with them. But in no case were we sad for her because we know where she is. She's got like a major part in heaven right now. We'll talk about that later. The book of Romans talks about the wages of sin is death. Not 
just die. When we say die in the Bible, it means die forever. It means separation from God. It doesn't mean you stop breathing. It means not only do you stop breathing, but you are separated from God for the rest of eternity. It's not just, oh, I'll have all my buddies down there and we'll, you know, party together. No, 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 no. The Bible teaches that hell is a real place and it is a solitary, permanent, eternal misery. You really don't want that, all joking aside. But God has provided a way to overcome that result. And that's what we call the story of salvation. That is truly the point of the Bible, redemption. That a loving and powerful and personal God created all there is to talk to you about how he loves you. To communicate himself to his own creation that knows him not without him. The human creation not only doesn't know him on their own, they turn against him naturally because of this thing called sin, this desire to go my way, not God's way. The relationship that God had intended in the garden has been corrupted by sin. And now instead of enjoying a relationship with God, which is the way he intended, we cannot do it. There's this gulf in between. And we saw that perfectly described by uh, Connor on Easter when we showed the video of uh, how he came to Christ. The relationship was broken, but God provided a way out of this death by giving us the greatest gift of all time, him, himself. He gave him. He gave his own son, Jesus God sent Jesus to be born, to live a perfect life, and yet to be killed mercilessly by the people he created. At the moment of his death, God put all of this sinful ugly on Jesus' shoulders. And we've talked about how, again, that, you can't get your brain around that. Can you imagine the weight that Jesus must have felt hanging on the cross? That weight wasn't just the physical death. That's excruciating enough. It is the weight of the penalty that he's paying. And in that small moment, separated from God the Father, taken on that sin till the moment that he died. He paid sin's penalty because of that gift on Calvary's cross. By accepting this gift, what we mean by becoming a Christian is that you believe that that happened and you believe that it was for you and you turn your life in that direction and let God begin his wonderful work of making out of you something also beautiful. Our relationship with God is restored because of Christ. Death is escaped. Permanent death I'm talking about. And we become the beneficiaries of the inheritance of God. Wow. A young man was getting ready to graduate from college. For many months he had admired a beautiful sports car in a dealer showroom. Knowing that his father could easily afford it, he said, all that, that's all I want is the sports car. As graduation day approached, the young man awaited signs that his father had purchased the car 
Finally, on the morning of his graduation, his father called him into his private study. He told him how proud he was to have such a fine son. He told him how much he loved him. He handed his son a beautifully wrapped gift box. Curious, but guardingly disappointed, the young man opened the box and found a lovely leather-bound Bible. The young man's name was embossed in gold on the front, and it made him angry. He raised his voice to his father and ugly said, with all your money, you give me a Bible? He stormed out of the room, leaving the Bible there on the table. Many years passed. He didn't see his father for all those years. He had a wonderful family of his own, beautiful home, but he realized that his father was old and he hadn't seen him since that day. Can you imagine such a thing? He thought he should go see him before his dad died. He, on his way, he received a telegram telling him that his father had passed away and he had willed all of his possessions to his son. So he got there, arrived at his father's house. All of a sudden, he was filled with sadness. And he remembered back to that day where his father gave him the gift of what was still on the table, the new Bible. Just as he had left it years ago, tears running down his face, he opened the Bible, began to turn the pages. His father had carefully underlined a verse, Matthew 7, 11, and if ye, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father, which is in heaven, give to those who ask him? As he read those words, a car key dropped out of the Bible. It had a tag with the dealer's name, same dealer who had the sports car that he had desired. And on the tag was the date of his graduation and the words, paid in full. So when Jesus said, it is finished on the cross, the translation of the Greek word to telestai, which means it is finished, means paid in full. God loves us so much that he gave his only son so that we should not perish but have eternal life. This is the beginning of history. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Whether we are here live in the room or whether we listen by podcast, uh, we know that you are there and that you love us. Thank you, God, for giving us time to be together to talk about these uh, thoughts to uh, begin an interaction or continue one or simply to rejoice at the things that you've done in our own lives. Father, I pray for each person who hears this message that you might speak to a man and woman, boy and girl, and you might speak and begin a relationship that has to do with uh, telling us what your story is. Would you teach us truth, Father? Would you reveal your person to us through Jesus? through your written word of God, the Bible. Would you help us over these weeks to grow in our knowledge and understanding of who you are? And Father, if we today have no relationship with you and would like to begin one, I pray, Father, that anybody that's in that situation would call me personally or write to me and let me help them with that process. Thank you, Father, for who you are. We humbly say thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. You're making so much beauty out of ashes. 
We love you and thank you for Jesus. And we thank you for history. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Join us for the next lesson in this Center Stage teaching series and tell a friend about our His Story podcast. For more information about Center Stage Church in Gold Canyon, Arizona, visit centerstagechurch.org.